Section thirty eight of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modern Magic A Practical Treatise on the Art of Conjuring by Professor Lewis Hoffman. Miscellaneous Tricks, Part five. The Changing Cover. This cover is available not only, as in the last case, to produce or vanish, but also to change one article for another. It is somewhat of the pattern of an ordinary round dish cover, with a metal knob on the top. See figure 190. It is divided by a vertical tin partition A, see figure 191, into two equal compartments B and C. The lower, or open side of each of these compartments, is of course semicircular. A flat tin plate D, also semicircular, works on an upright axis E, passing upwards through the center of the cover, and terminating in the knob at the top. By turning, therefore, this knob, halfway round to the right or left, the performer is enabled to close whichever of the compartments happens for the time being to be open, at the same time opening that which was previously shut. There is a little point or stop on the upper side of the semicircular plate, which meeting resistance from the vertical partition prevents the plate making more than the necessary half turn either way. The apparatus is prepared by placing the article representing the result of the supposed transformation, say an apple, in either compartment and turning the knob so as to close that compartment and open the other. The article to be changed, say an orange, is placed upon the table, and the performer places the cover upon it, taking care that the open compartment for the time being shall come fairly over it. He then gives a half turn to the knob, thereby closing the compartment which has hitherto been open, and securing the orange within it, and at the same time releasing the apple, into which, on the cover being again raised, the orange appears to be transformed. In this case, as in the last, it is well to have a plain counterpart cover to hand round for inspection if necessary. The uses to which the changing cover may be put are very numerous. The following is an instance of a rather original application of it, which produces a capital effect. We will suppose that the performer has executed a trick in which he has availed himself of the assistance of some juvenile member of the audience, and that an apple has been one of the properties of the trick. The trick being concluded, the professor asks his temporary assistant whether he would like to have the apple, and is of course eagerly answered in the affirmative. Very well, says the professor, you shall have it, but you must first earn it by a little display of dexterity. I will put it under this cover. He suits the action to the word. Now I am going to say one, two, three. At the word three, I shall raise the cover, and you must try to snatch the apple before I replace it. If you can catch the apple in this manner three times in succession, it is yours, but on one further condition, that you eat it at once here upon the stage. The conditions are readily accepted. One, two, three, cries the professor, raising the cover and disclosing the apple, which is instantly snatched up. A second time the process is gone through, with a like result. "'You mean to win, I can see,' remarks the performer. "'Now once more, and the apple will be yours. 
but I warn you I shall be rather quicker this time. One, two, three. The eager boy springs forward and clutches, not the apple, but a Spanish onion, which has been placed in the second compartment of the cover. You have won, sir, says the professor, pretending not to notice the change. But don't forget the second part of your bargain. You are to eat it at once before leaving the stage. We will leave to the imagination of the reader the discomfiture of the victim and the amusement of the spectators, also the subsequent magical processes by which the transformed apple may be restored to its original and more fragrant condition. THE CHANGING LADLE This is a piece of apparatus designed for secretly obtaining possession of a chosen card or a piece of writing. The bowl, so to speak, of the ladle is in the form of a segment of a cylinder, see figure 192, the size of its opening being about four inches by two and a half, and its depth three inches. It is made of tin, with a thin cylindrical handle. The edges of the bowl are turned inwards all round, to the extent of about a sixteenth of an inch, thereby serving to disguise a movable slab of tin, A, which moves backwards and forwards like the leaf of a book within the ladle, working upon a hinge at its lower edge. This is made to work backwards and forwards by a wire rod passing through the whole length of the handle, and terminating in a little knob or cap at its outer end. The normal position of A is to lie against the inner or handle side of the bowl, see figure 193, being retained in that position by the effect of a spiral spring in the handle, which draws the wire back. If, however, pressure be applied to the knob or cap at the end of the handle, the wire is forced downwards, thereby bringing the movable leaf A against the outer side of the bowl, as shown in figure 194. There are various modes in which the changing ladle may be made useful. For example, it may be used to burn and restore a card. For this purpose, the ladle is prepared by placing in it beforehand any indifferent card of similar pattern to the pack in use, and is in this condition placed on the performer's table in such a manner that the spectators may not observe that there is already a card in it. The performer then comes forward and hands to one of the company a pack of cards, with a request that he will select any one he pleases. While he is making his selection, the performer or his assistant places on the table and sets fire to some spirits of wine on a bowl or plate. A card having been chosen, the performer requests the drawer to return it to him, and, in order to exclude the possibility of any exchange or sleight of hand, volunteers to receive it at arm's length in the ladle, which he brings forward for that purpose, holding it by the extreme end of the handle, and pressing with his palm the knob at the top, thereby bringing the movable leaf into the position shown in figure 194, with the card already in it pressed flat against the outer side of the bowl, and thus completely hidden. The chosen card being placed in the ladle, the performer, in returning to his table, relaxes the pressure of his palm, thereby bringing the movable leaf back into the position of figure 193, releasing the dummy card and concealing that chosen against the inner side of the bowl. He then drops, apparently, the chosen, but really the substitute, card into the flames, taking care as he does so not to turn the face of the card toward the audience. 
the ladle with its genuine card in it is carried off by the assistant as having served its purpose and the chosen card is subsequently restored after any fashion which the fancy of the operator may dictate the ladle may also be used to apparently burn and restore a paper on which one of the company has written any words or figures in this case a blank half-sheet of note-paper folded in four is beforehand placed in the ladle and a piece of paper folded in the same way is handed to one of the audience with a request that he will write what he pleases upon it again fold it and place it in the ladle it is then either apparently burned as in the case of the card or placed in some other apparatus the operator making a great point of the fact that he does not touch the paper as the genuine paper remains in the ladle it is of course very easy for the performer to ascertain what is written upon it and having displayed his knowledge to ultimately reproduce the paper under any circumstance which he thinks fit sometimes the trick is varied by requesting a spectator to write a question upon the paper which is subsequently reproduced with an appropriate answer written beneath the question the cone or skittle laquie this is a block of polished boxwood of the shape shown in figure one ninety five with a thin shell of the same material exactly covering it and so closely resembling it in appearance that the solid block and the hollow shell seen apart cannot be distinguished the one from the other the cone is made in various sizes from three inches in height by one and a half at the base to seven inches in height by three at the base it is worked with a paper cover consisting of an open tube of cartridge paper about double the height of the cone and tapering in such manner that its larger end shall fit loosely over the cone the performer brings forward this paper tube in his right hand and the cone with the hollow shell upon it in his left taking care to hold his fingers beneath it in such a manner that the solid cone cannot fall out he first calls attention to the paper tube which the audience are allowed to examine at pleasure when it is returned to him he says you are now quite satisfied that there is no preparation about this tube which is in fact simply a cover for this block of wood as if merely suiting the action to the word he covers the block with the tube immediately removing it again and carelessly laying the cover on the table in removing it however he grasps it with a gentle pressure and so takes off with it the hollow shell see figure one ninety six of whose existence the audience have no suspicion he continues perhaps you would also like to examine the block which you will find to be a plain solid piece of wood without mechanism or preparation of any kind the block having been duly examined the supposed empty cover is placed upright upon the table and the solid block having been disposed of by any means in the performer's power is ordered to pass invisibly under the cover which being raised the hollow shell is seen appearing to the eye of the audience to be the block itself and to have found its way there in obedience to the performer's command the above is the working of the cone in its simplest and barest form but no skilled performer would dream of presenting the illusion in such a commonplace way to make the trick effective it should be so arranged as to make the cone apparently change places with some other article there are many combinations which might be suggested 
but we shall content ourselves with describing one or two of those in most general use. The smaller sized cones may be worked in conjunction with a goblet and ball, the same as those used for the cups and balls, in manner following. Having tendered for inspection the cone and cover as already described, and placed them on the table, the performer offers the goblet and ball in like manner for inspection. When they are returned, he places them also upon the table, a little distance apart, and meanwhile palms a second ball, which should be in readiness either on the servante or in one of his pochettes. He now places the paper cover, which it will be remembered contains the hollow shell, over the first ball on the table. Pray observe, he remarks, that I have fairly covered over the ball. Here he raises and replaces the cover, pressing so as to lift the shell with it, and showing that the ball is still there. The goblet, as you have seen, is perfectly empty. Here he raises the goblet, and, in replacing it, introduces the second ball under it, as described in the chapter devoted to the cups and balls. I shall now order the ball to pass from the cover under the goblet. He waves his hand from one to the other. Presto, prestissimo, pass! He raises the goblet and shows that the ball has, apparently, passed under it. The first ball still remaining under the paper tube, he cannot at present raise it, so proceeds rapidly to the next stage of the trick, that the omission may not be noticed. So far, he remarks, the trick is mere child's play. The real difficulty is to pass the cone under the cover in place of the ball. However, I will make the attempt. So saying, he picks up the cone with his right hand, and apparently transfers it to his left, really palming it, and immediately afterwards dropping his right hand to his side and getting rid of the cone into the profonde. Then, taking two or three steps away from the table, still holding the left hand as if containing the cone, and looking towards the cover, he says, One, two, three, pass, with a motion of the hand as if throwing something, immediately showing the hands empty and lifting up the cover, but this time by the top, so as not to exert any pressure against its sides, and showing the hollow shell which now conceals the ball and is taken by the spectators to be the genuine cone. We have succeeded pretty well so far, ladies and gentlemen, he remarks. It remains to be seen whether I shall be equally successful in bringing back the cone and ball to their original positions. I dare say you would all like to know how the trick is done, and therefore this time I will vary the mode of operation and make the transposition visibly. Here he drops his right hand into the profonde and secretly palms the solid cone. First the cone. He passes his right hand, keeping the back towards the audience, upwards along the cover, and, as it reaches the top, brings the cone into view. Pray once more assure yourselves that it is fair and solid. Now for the ball. He picks up the ball with his left hand, and holding it between the finger and thumb, apparently transfers it, by the pass called the tourniquet, see page 150, to the right, forthwith getting rid of it into the profonde on the left side. Pray observe that it does not leave your sight even for a moment. Then holding his hand high above the paper cover, he makes a crumbling movement with it, immediately showing it empty, and lifting the cover with a slight pressure so as to carry the shell with it, shows the ball beneath. 
the attention of the spectators being naturally attracted to the ball it is an easy matter to let the hollow shell slip out of the paper cover upon the servante and again to hand the cover for examination some performers instead of using the goblet work the small cone with the ball box see page 296 it is obvious that the directions given above will apply only where the cone is of a size so small as to be readily palmed in which case it is hardly conspicuous enough to be used before a large audience where a cone of larger dimensions is employed it is necessary to vary the mode of operation we shall therefore proceed to describe the trick in its stage form as worked by herman and other public performers the cone in this case is about seven inches high and is worked in conjunction with a drawer box of such a size as to contain it easily having handed round for inspection the cover and cone as already described the performer suddenly remembers that he requires an orange which he forthwith produces from his wand it is hardly necessary to observe that the orange is beforehand placed in readiness in one of the pochettes and is produced from the wand in the manner described for producing a ball see page two hundred seventy six lying down the orange on the table he next exhibits the drawer box taking the drawer completely out and after showing it on all sides replacing it he then covers the orange on the table with the paper cover containing the hollow shell and places the solid cone in the drawer box which being of the kind described at page three hundred forty five he turns upon its side with its top toward the audience he meanwhile palms in his right hand from his pocket or the servante a second orange he now announces that he is about to take the orange back again which he does by passing his wand up the side of the cover and immediately producing therefrom the second orange he places this upon another table at a little distance and covers it with a borrowed hat making as he does so a feint of removing it and slipping it into his tail pocket he hears or pretends to hear someone remark that he took away the orange and answers accordingly oh you think i took away the orange allow me to assure you that i did nothing of the kind he lifts up the hat and shows the orange in its place i will cover it again or still better to prove that i do not take it away i won't cover it at all but leave it here in full view on the table he replaces it on the table but this time places it on what is called a wrist trap in readiness for a subsequent disappearance having taken the orange from under the cover he continues i have now to make the solid block vanish from the drawer and take its place but i shall do it this time invisibly see i have only to wave my wand from one to the other and the thing is done the drawer is empty pulling out the false drawer only and here is the block he lifts the paper cover and shows the hollow shell now i come to the most difficult part of the trick which is to bring both articles back to their original position first i will take the block of wood he covers the shell with the paper tube and makes a movement of his wand from the cover to the drawer pass let us see whether it has obeyed he this time pulls the drawer completely out and lets the block fall heavily on the stage now for the orange he places both hands round it as if picking it up between them and presses as he does so the spring of the trap which opening lets the orange fall through into the table 
bringing the hands, still together, immediately above the paper cover, he rubs them together as if compressing the orange, finally separating them and showing them empty, and immediately afterwards lifting the cover with the hollow shell and showing the first orange beneath it. It will be observed that the trick above described is, in some of its parts, very similar to that described at page 337. The mechanism of the wrist trap will be found explained in the next chapter. In the meantime, the student may produce the same effect without using a trap at all, by means of the slight described at page 294. The Cone and the Bouquet This is another form of the cone trick, involving the use of rather more elaborate apparatus. The cone in this case is about five inches in height by three at the base, and tapers very slightly. It may be either of boxwood, as in the trick last described, or the block may be of any hard wood, and the hollow shell of tin to fit, each blacked and polished, so as to look exactly alike. It is used in conjunction with a paper cover as before, and two little bunches of flowers, exactly alike, and of such a size as to be just covered by the hollow shell. Each of these little bouquets is made upon a tin framework, consisting of a wire arch springing from a flat saucer-like base. See figure 197. A pedestal and cover complete the apparatus. The pedestal A, see figure 198, is cylindrical and about six inches in height by four across the top. Its upper surface consists of a circular plate of tin working up and down piston-wise on the pedestal. This is forced upwards by a spiral spring, yet yields to pressure, sinking vertically to a depth of four or five inches when necessary. The upper edge of the pedestal is slightly turned in all round, so that the top may not be pressed out altogether by the force of the spring. An outer casing of tin, B, fits over A, just so tightly as to resist the upward pressure of the spring when forced down by any object between the pedestal and this casing. The cover, C, is about double the height of A, and by means of a bayonet catch, see page 352, may be lifted off either with or without B at pleasure. The pedestal is prepared for use by removing B and placing one of the little bouquets on the top of A then again putting on B and forcing it down into its place, when the condition of the apparatus will be as shown, in section, in figure 199. The wire arch prevents the flowers from being crushed out of shape by the pressure of the spring. The pedestal and cover are now brought forward and placed on the table. Also the cone, with the shell on, the paper tube to cover it, and the remaining bunch of flowers. The paper tube is first exhibited, placed over the cone, and removed with the hollow cone within it, as in the last trick. The solid cone is then offered for examination, and having been duly inspected, is placed upon the pedestal. The performer makes a movement as if about to place over it the cover C, but checks himself in the act, and shows that this cover is empty and hollow throughout. He then puts on the cover, and reverting to the bunch of flowers on the table, covers it with the paper tube. He next announces that in obedience to his command, the block and the bunch of flowers will change places. He raises the paper tube, holding it by the top, 
and thus leaves behind the hollow shell, covering and concealing the bunch of flowers. He next takes off the cover of the pedestal, first, however, turning the bayonet catch, so as to lift off with the cover the casing B. The solid cone is carried off between the casing and the cover, see figure 200, while the action of the spring, the casing being removed, brings the concealed bunch of flowers to the top of the pedestal, in the position lately occupied by the cone. Having shown that the cone and the flowers have changed places, the performer next undertakes to bring them back to their original situation, which, by reversing the process, he does without difficulty. The pedestal above described is a very useful piece of apparatus, being available either to produce, change, or vanish any article of appropriate size. A very effective trick may be performed therewith by causing an empty tumbler to appear full, or vice versa. In this case, however, it should by no means be admitted that an exchange takes place, as the supposed filling of an empty glass with water by covering it with an evidently unsophisticated cover is rather the more surprising phenomenon. End of section 38